we looked at Matthew chapter 17 as we left off. And uh, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, now we read this before, but I want to start here uh, and continue on from here today. It says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Now notice that Peter is there and John is there, okay? It says, to Peter, James, and John, his brother, um, remember they were the inner circle, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, verse 2, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Now, it's really interesting, a couple of things here very quickly. Notice Jesus' appearance. Notice that Jesus is not just a really good guy. Can I get an amen on this? See, this... <laughs> I told you we're starting now, okay? <laughs> okay. See, a lot of people say, well, you know, he was a good person. He was a prophet. Good people and prophets don't look like this. They don't begin to shine like the sun. Can I get a little amen on that? When have you seen that before? If you have, get off drugs. No. <laughs> but, but you, know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? This is not a usual occurrence. This is something extraordinary. The only other time that we see something like this is when Moses, remember he's getting the Ten Commandments, he comes down, and his face is shining like the sun, basically. That put a bag over his head because he kept everybody up at night, truly. Okay, so, so we see, and that tells us something else, that when the Apostle Paul talks about the glorious church, he is talking about you. And he is talking about you looking like Christ. Amen? Not just behaving like him. Amen. <coughs> Verse 4, then Peter answered and said, you know, Peter always has something to say. <laughs> he answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three, uh, here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, I think that's really interesting. Again, I made this point before. I'd like to uh, get back to it as well, is that they recognized them. They saw and understood who Moses and Elijah were. Not having seen any pictures of them, they didn't see any video of them. There was not like an album, okay, in the church that they said, Oh, I saw that guy. No, it wasn't like that. It's really interesting that two people that have been dead for so long suddenly turn up. That's another thing, and I don't know if I want to go into that today. But, <laughs> Jesus, talk to dead people. Anyway, two people that are dead, right, turn up, and these disciples never having been introduced to them, know who they are. I think that is extraordinary. Amen? Amen. And so here it says, um, <coughs> in verse 5, while he was still speaking, uh, Peter hadn't finished saying what he had to say. He was obviously taking a breath to say something else. And God thought, I need to interrupt this. Okay, and notice what he says. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying. Now, I used to always think it was in heaven somewhere. Can we read this verse again? It says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. So it means that, you know, when something is overshadowing you, it's, it's kind of close. Can I say that? Okay, because it's casting a shadow, all right, around you somehow. All right? So it's kind of close. It's not some cloud up in the sky. It is right over you. And from within that cloud, can I say that close was God to all of this? 
So it wasn't some rumbling and thunder, you know, that, that was up in the sky. It was right over their head. And I would, I would imagine surrounding them. But anyway, that doesn't say that. All right. It says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly, <laughs> okay, I, I like the word suddenly. Do you know what suddenly means? Everybody jumped. Yeah, okay, you know, when, when, when you were little and you had a sibling and they would hide, you know, behind the staircase or whatever, and suddenly they'd jump up and you'd go, ah, that suddenly. Okay, all right, so <laughs> what was happening? Pete's talking away and suddenly. They didn't write down what Pete said. It might have not been worthy to be written down. <laughs> Holy fish sticks, no. <laughs> Whatever, okay, I don't know. So <laughs> it says, suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. <clears throat> Hear him. This suddenly made an impact on them. You know, when you get shocked, you remember. Are you all here? You know, th those shocking things you remember. And both, remember Peter, James, and John are up there. Two of them are going to write about it. Because it made such an impact on them. And let me say this to you. <clears throat> it's really interesting that when the Apostle John begins with who is a liar, you know, I was questioning that. I thought, this is very unusual for the Apostle John. He is known as the Apostle of Love. You all know that, right? Okay. Why would he say something so, um, I don't know, is the word harsh okay? Because he's usually very loving. And I began to realize something, and I want to bring this to your attention today, is that, he, this wasn't hearsay, he experienced this firsthand. He was there. He saw Jesus transfigure. He heard a voice from the cloud which freaked them all out. Okay, that suddenly voice. And after all of that, he says that Jesus is the Christ. I know firsthand because of all of my experiences. And somebody is saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. We don't think he's the Messiah. Listen to me very carefully. So what they're doing now is calling every apostle a liar. And they're discounting the entire New Testament. Are you all with me? Because all of them wrote what they saw firsthand. So we need to be really careful who we're siding with. We pray for everyone. We don't judge anyone. Can I say all that first? But we need to be careful who we side with. Can I say that as well? Okay? Be careful, family. All right? Okay. So, having had this experience, <laughs> of course, Peter had, you know, writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, after this, this event, years later. 2 Peter is, is when Peter was quite old by now. First Peter was when he was uh, younger, a lot younger. But Second Peter, he's gained a lot of wisdom in the time between First and Second Peter. Okay, and so he says something here in verse seventeen: "For he received, this is Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory." I am in Second Peter chapter one and verse seventeen. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, I love the way he put that. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notice now God is testifying to his son. He's saying two things. Number one, this is my son. Number two, I'm really pleased with him. 
<laughs> okay? This is not one of those kids you think, oh my God, I wish I could dis disown and disinherit this one. It's not one of those. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Can I? You need to see something here. We miss this here. Do you know what God is saying? I am proud of this one. I am very proud of him. So, if you speak badly about him, I will get upset. Let's, now, there's, hi, Sharanthi, welcome. There's Sharanthi in the congregation today. Next to her is her daddy. I dare you to say something bad about her to her daddy. Go on, give it a shot. We will pray for healing. I don't know about raising from the dead, okay? I might have to wait on that one a bit longer. Do you understand? He is well pleased with her. I can assume that, okay? All right, okay? So if, if we start saying something about her, he is not going to be very well pleased with us. You need to get this, family, because a lot of people are wondering how come things are going wrong, you know, for people in this world. If they're denying the son, they are denying the father. Do you understand? In denying the father, you then take away all the protection, all the, the provision, all the healing, everything that is there for you that God has already paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for that for you. But if you're going to deny him, then you're going to do without. And daddy is not pleased. <laughs> okay? Because he so loved you, he sent Jesus and you said no. Are you getting this? Amen? All right. Let's move on. Verse 18. And we heard this voice which came from heaven. Do you understand now why the apostle John says, who is a liar? You're beginning to understand. He's saying, listen, don't let the lies out there get in the way of your blessing. Because those people out there don't know what they're saying. They are walking out of the blessing, and that's probably why they're miserable. And misery loves company. So they invite you to their party. Hello, don't go. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get back to this. It says, and we heard this voice. Notice, he's, notice he says, we heard this voice. He's saying, I wasn't the only one up there. This isn't now, boys. While all the other disciples are asleep. God came to me in a vision and showed. No, it wasn't anything like that. It's like, dude, you had too much, you know, fish sticks or pizza or something. We don't know. But if it's all three of them, are you all with me? He says, we. And so he says, we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Amen. All right. So from this we again understand that denying the Son not only denies the Father, but all the apostles that testified about Him as well. Which then leads us again to why the Apostle John asks, who is a liar? And you need to ask that same question as well. Whenever you run into someone, see, there are a lot of nice people out there denying Jesus. Y'all hear me? Just because they're nice doesn't mean they're right. You know, and those are the people, I, you know, those are the people really, I really, I guess in a sense, I mean, I want to see everybody saved, but it's sad when people that are doing the right thing, that can be blessed for what they're doing, aren't being blessed. You know what I'm trying to say? It's because, because, you know, they're doing stuff in a world that is going in kind of the opposite direction, because, you know, 
Satan is the god of this world and its systems. And that's why, you know, that's why that, that saying, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Do you all understand that is a person living outside of God? Do you know that's the truth behind that? You try to do something good in the devil's system, he'll make you pay for it. But you do good in God, you know, under God's umbrella, you become one of his, every good you do now has a blessing attached to it. And if you want protection, God's got protection. I mean, there are some angels. Oh, you don't want to meet them. They are mean to look at. And they're not mean against you. They're mean against anything that comes against you. They'll smile at you and beat whatever coming against you. There won't be much left. I'll say that. Amen. And we need to know that we're in that position. You know, that's the reason we pray. We don't get up and pray because, oh, dear God, you know. We have to pray because, you know, we're Christians. We're meant to pray. Okay, please don't pray like that. Nobody wants that kind of prayer. I don't. God doesn't. Listen to me, man. You know why you? You know what you do when you pray? It's not a religious thing. You know, it's just like when you wake up in the morning. If you're running out the door, you know you're thinking, "Did I lock everything? Did I turn the gas off? Have I got my car keys? Do I have pants?" Okay, <laughs> hey, my, my cousin ran out the door and thought, I forgot something. And his wife goes, uh, did we forget our pants? He actually forgot. Anyway, you know, <laughs> that's why I brought that up. Anyway, <laughs> it's a little absent-minded. Anyway, th- th- that is what your prayer list should be. Do you hear me? It's, it's, it's getting God involved before you run out the door because, dear God, you don't want to be out there without him. Amen. So, you know, I don't, I don't want you to think about prayers in, okay, I've got to spend an hour, you know, until I'm bored, until I'm falling asleep, and, you know, I'm drooling by the side, side of my mouth, and, okay, God, I've done my one hour. <laughs> now I'll get back to, to, back to life. It, don't do that. It hurts him and you and everybody around you, because you tell us how hard it was. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Listen, man, can I give you a little something? You go into your prayer room, and you say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm going to start praying. You know, I'm going to listen to you, whatever you have to say. When you stop talking, I'm out. Oh. Oh, we have to listen? Yes, stop talking for a bit. Give it a minute. Be still and know he's God. And find out from him what you need to pray about. And I do that. Man, I go in, especially with you guys. Okay? I go in there. If I go in with my list, you're never going to get prayed over. You know, I need to trust that if I'm praying for you, he's looking after me. Are you all with me? And so <coughs> I go in there and say, who's in trouble today? <laughs> you know? Thank God the list isn't very long. But anyway, you know, and, and I'll just pray over whoever. Amen. I'll, I'll do, and I don't go to some special place to pray. I'm going to shatter some myths right now. I know this is not part of this, but let's just talk about this for a minute. I pray wherever. Do you know, the Apostle Paul says, praying always, on every occasion, with every kind of prayer, supplication, yada, yada, yada. Okay, you know what I'm trying to say? Don't wait for a place to pray, because you'll never get that place. Pray wherever you are. God's not deaf. He's not in some office waiting for you, or some room, or some closet waiting for you. 
And you go out and he pushes his little face to the glass and goes, please come back and visit. <laughs> okay? He goes with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you, never forsake you, which means whenever you open your mouth, he's right there. Amen. So can I suggest, just a little suggestion, that your prayer time isn't restricted to, okay, I need to get to my prayer closet. Don't. Can I say, if you just pray through the day, you'll get to your prayer closet. If you don't, you might never. Because you're praying through the day will open doors for you. I do that all the time. Don't get religious about it. Don't have to cross your fingers. Okay? Don't, don't have to do anything physically religious. It's on the inside. You're talking to God. Jesus said God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in any physical way, but in spirit and in truth. Amen? And you can do that anytime, anywhere. And don't look weird when you do it. <laughs> Amen. I, I, you know, I, I talk to God even when I'm talking to you guys sometimes. I have to, especially when I'm praying for you. <laughs> what you say and what he says might be two different things. You don't all tell me everything you all need. That's why my prayer for you sometimes is prophetic. I'll pray for what you ask for, then I'll continue praying for what you actually need. Amen. Amen. And, th and then I forget what that was. Aren't you happy? I don't go down and write down, oh, I wonder why God said that to Bernard. Let me write it down. No. <laughs> you know what he'd say? None of your business. Sometimes people come and ask me, what did you pray? I, honestly, honestly, on my Bible, I don't remember. Do you know why? None of my business. That's between you and God. I just get to be his mouthpiece every so often, and then I'm gone. People come and say to me, you know when you prayed that for me? I don't. I'll look at you like, you know, cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> Nothing's happening, man. I don't remember. Because I don't keep track of those things. I'm here to just be God's representative. I pray for you. I believe with you. With all of my heart, whatever it is that you need, that you will receive it. And then I'll let go. Amen. And when I'm praying this prayer, if it comes back up, I will pray over it. That's the only time I remember is when God says, mm, they need some prayer over this. Remember how you prayed for them on Sunday? Oh, did I? Okay. Let's do that then. Amen. Anyway, let's get back to this. All right. Somebody needed that. I don't know. So, continue on to verse 23 now. So the Apostle John, again, from first-hand experience, writes everything that he writes. And why he'll go on to say in verse 23 now, the, the next verse, whoever... that's. 1 John 2.23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He says whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. You know, a lot of people like to get to the Father without the Son. They, they, they want to say, yeah, we have the Father. We all don't need the Son. Okay, sorry about the accent. Okay, but, okay, but the Apostle John now is saying something really important. He says if you don't have the Son... You don't have the Father. I think that is really key, especially when you have this saying, you know, God is Father to all. You know, have you heard the old fatherhood of God thingy? Okay. This verse contradicts that. It tells us something. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you all understand what that means? 
it means that people that say they have the Father but don't have the Son actually don't have the Father. They've got something else. And we need to be careful of that. I, I said to you before, you know, it's really interesting. We, we are so specific about everything in our life. When we buy a car, we check to see what kind of you know, petrol it takes. Because some cars can do, you know, in the old days, you know, unleaded and non-leaded and all this sort of stuff. And others just will only do unleaded. Some will only do leaded. You know, all that sort of stuff. We had to check. And then we couldn't decide what we wanted. <laughs> we did what they said. They said, you know, and sometimes, you know, in, in some of the older cars, they actually have a little thing where you put petrol, you know, unleaded only. Just in case you forgot. <laughs> You're with me. It's interesting how we'll pay attention to that. And God comes down and he says, there's only one way to the Father. It's through me. We don't want to do one letter today, thanks. You're not going anywhere today, thanks. Hello. You either stick by the rules and get where you're going, or you do what you want and you won't. And don't, don't get upset with the, the car manufacturer. They told you! Don't get upset with God when things don't go right. He told you. Amen? Moving on. <clears throat> the reason for saying this, that's the Apostle John saying, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. The reason for saying this is not only did the Apostle John hear God the Father acknowledge Jesus Christ as my beloved Son, but he also heard Jesus himself say, and he recorded in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. That's in John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Do you hear that? Do you understand now if you deny Jesus, you're denying the Father. If he and the Father are one, if you deny one, get it? You're denying the other as well. What this statement shows us is that the Father and the Son are an indivisible unity. That's a big word. I think you understand, okay? Therefore, we, <laughs> we understand that to deny Jesus the Son is to deny God the Father. Added to this, remember that Jesus also said in John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, he said again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what I've been quoting to you. That's John chapter 14 and verse 6. But notice in verse 7, so let me read verse 6. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. Verse 7, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen. He says, because you know me, you know fa the father. That's why I said, we need to watch Jesus. What did he do? How did he respond to things? What, was he, what, what were his thoughts about things? When people came up to him sick, did he ever say to them, go away, you're a bad, horrible person. I am not healing you. <laughs> okay? It said they brought multitudes and healed them all. <clears throat> I've said this to you before. You know, I reckon there was one person that in there, one person that didn't deserve it. In fact, you kind of ask yourself, uh, what were half of the sicknesses about? Mm? 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 What were they doing? <laughs> okay? And they got this strange sickness and this strange thing. Okay? You know what I'm trying to say? And Jesus didn't look at them and go, <laughs> no, I'm not putting my hand on that. No, go away. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Never happened. He healed them all. Do you not understand then? 
If he says, I and my father are one, then every single one of us that goes to the Father for healing are not going to be judged. We are not going to be scrutinized. God isn't going to say, oh, <laughs> now you know what you've done, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, right? I know, you know. We both know. Mm-hmm. Didn't think I was there. I was there. Yeah. Hello. Will never happen. That's why I think it's really... Im- uh, what's the word? It's really key that the Apostle James, when he writes, when he says, call for the elders of the church, you know, if any of, any of you are sick, okay? He says, call for the elders of the church. He says, they will lay hands, they will anoint you with oil. And it's really interesting. He says, and by the way, if he has committed any sin, it will be forgiven. Do you understand why? Because if the sin caused it, the sin needs to be forgiven in order for the thing, A, to be healed, and B, not to come back. You're with me. And so, almost as a throwaway statement, he says, if you have done something wrong, if a wrongdoing caused you, uh, you know, to be in this position of whatever illness or whatever that you have, it will be forgiven so that you're not struggling with receiving the healing. You're not saying to yourself, you're not allowing the devil to say, yeah, but you know what you did. You know you don't deserve this. You can come against all of that and say, yeah, you know what? God has forgiven me. That's why it says if we acknowledge our sin, you know, 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 9, when he said if we, the word is confess, but it's a very bad word. The Greek word actually means acknowledge. So you know why? Because we don't have to confess it. God already knows. And so that's why it says if you acknowledge it, if you can agree with God and say, yeah, God, I sinned, and he goes, yeah, I know. At that point in time, you're forgiven. Amen? And the thing is that God is not holding that against you. The devil is holding that against you. And he's trying to get you to hold it against you. Because if you can hold it against you, then you won't release your faith. Then you won't receive. And these signs will follow those who believe. And so the devil's one thing is to stop you from believing. And condemnation will do that. And why the Apostle Paul said, I think it's in Romans 8.1, now there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen? And it says who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Okay, amen. All right. <laughs> That's another sermon. All right, back to this. <laughs> and then to solidify it all, Jesus goes on to say, in John chapter 14 and verse 9, he says, I have been with you, or have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip. He says, he who has seen me, has seen the Father. Amen? Amen. So it was with all this insight and understanding that the Apostle John says again in 1 John 2 and verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Therefore, the saying, many parts lead to God, is not accurate. Let me just say this, okay? And while the world is trying so hard to be religiously correct, all they are doing is being nice about offending God and violating His Word all of which have terrible, eternal consequences. Accordingly, in his commentary, William MacDonald writes, You cannot have the Father unless you have the Son. This is a message which should be heeded by all Unitarians, Christian scientists, Muslims, 
modernists, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Jews. Some people like to believe that they worship God, but they do not uh, want to have anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. To them, the Apostle John says, he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Further to this, I. Howard Marshall writes, the Christian doctrine of a personal fatherly God is dependent on the revelation of God given in Jesus. Now this is really important because it is only through Jesus that we understand that God is Father to us. Remember when they said, teach us to pray, he says the first two words, our Father, not dear God. What now? <laughs> okay. He starts with our Father. That's a relationship. And then we go from there because it's only after you say our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, then you can say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, can I say, in my life as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And say, give us today our daily bread and so on, okay? Because you know he's a loving God. All right, those who reject Jesus as the source of knowledge of God deprive themselves of access to the Christian God and we are left with a bare abstraction. This is the idea that God is watching us from a distance. You know that song? Yeah, I won't sing it. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Okay. <laughs> As opposed to what Jesus says again in John 3.16, which is one of the most celebrated scriptures in the Bible, and that is God so loved. He's not watching us from a distance. He gave his only begotten son. Amen? For what reason? Listen. Whoever believes in him not in the father in him in the son shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life amen and so for all those who receive the lord jesus christ the apostle uh, john concludes verse 23 by saying there he who acknowledges the son has the father also in his commentary, I Howard Marshall writes, the acceptance of Jesus as son automatically leads to personal communion with God as father, or as the father also. Okay? This is brought out in the New Testament over and over again with Jesus saying, uh, for example, in John 16, 23, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Notice, again, it's in Jesus' name. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We don't just stick there because it's a religious thing. Are you all with me? <clears throat> it is the thing that allows us access to everything. When they say, whose name are you coming in? You say, in the name of Jesus, come in. You say, in my name, forget about it. We don't know you. Who are you? <laughs> Do you know what you did last week? Oh, yeah, forget me. Uh, I come in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah, now you can come in. Because it's his righteousness. Amen? Don't ever go in your righteousness. Go in his because he has been made unto us righteousness, sanctification, all those awesome things. All right. <clears throat> In other words, it is God the Son who gives us access to God the Father. And so, adding this to what we already know, we begin to realize that with God's anointing, God's Word, and God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us, there's nothing that the devil can ever do to overcome us. And why the Apostle John will say in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world.
Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.